0: hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Smoky snake podcast I've said it every week, but it's the only English language podcast all about Brazilian football. I'm your host, Peter, joined as always by the other host, Enric, and this is going to be a podcast. Uh, there was just too much information this week, too much action uh, in South America. This is this podcast is exclusively going to be about Brasileirao Week Twelve, Match Week Twelve um, in Brazil. Uh, tons of transfers going on in the background tons of crazy results of course we had the the big clash of 1 versus 2 Botafogo versus Palmeiras that we'll talk about um but we're going to do a separate episode early next week all about libertadores in sudamericana um and so look out for that for this for this one though we're going to stay here in brazil match week 12 and wow it was a good one uh before we get to that enric how's it going how did you uh how did you enjoy this match week
1: Hey Peter, everything is going well. Uh, we had so many m- important matches. Uh, that Copanense play against Corinthians. Uh, this was a great rivalry, as we will talk about. Uh, we also had the Flamengo Santos clash. So we yeah. talked about with this with uh, our friend Owen last week and sort of a preview of how things would go. And now we have a chance to even discuss in more depth, uh, looking at the result, because going back in 12 years ago, as we said before, this was such a dramatic and really important performance by those two teams. So it's going to be a great episode for sure.
0: Yeah. And of course, we've got the news of the day. Luis Castro is headed to South, uh, excuse me, Saudi Arabia. Uh, and we'll get to that uh, at the Botafogo game. All right, let's start out with Athletico Paranaense facing Corinthians. Uh, Athletico Paranaense. Last time we checked in with them, they didn't have a manager. Uh, they still don't. Wesley in charge, um, and uh, I guess they're saying that he might stay with uh, with the team until the uh, the end the end of July. So. Um, kind of interesting that move there. Uh, and Corinthians they got the win last time against Santos, but they're still in some poor form. And man, they uh they got caught flat-footed at the beginning here, and they didn't look any better.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what's going on with Atlético Paranaense. Uh, I think they've been such a consistent team with the results that they've been getting from Copa do Brazil matches and anywhere really, like getting one-nil, two-nil, three-nil results really good for them and uh corinthians a shadow of themselves uh every time they get a great win uh i think they beat fluminense a couple of weeks ago uh the week later they lose i believe to america or something like that yeah uh and then the same thing happens here win against santos in Belmiro, and then they come into this match and lose to atletico but uh as you said peter atletico attack very early in the third minute, Vitor Bueno's shot hit the post. Casio was left motionless. Uh, and in five minutes, it could have been 3-0. There are so many chances missed that I have had to look up at the time and like realize it's only been five minutes so far. And I thought that maybe it would have been halftime uh, by the time that those chances would have gone, but was not the case. Atletico, so good. Uh It's been so long that I've seen a Brazilian team play uh, the way Atletico played, and Corinthians had no time to breathe. Uh, And even when they did breathe, uh, they got caught in counters by the Furacaus. So in the 36th minute, uh, Vitor Roca's header goes in. It was a uh, much-deserved goal. I'm very happy to see him get back in the score sheet, as he's doing probably in every match.
0: Yeah, definitely um he's he's just been on a tear recently um so good and just a subtle little touch with his head that, that makes it uh go into the net uh really really skillful play there from Vitor Roque and you can see uh what value Barcelona are getting here um uh, for the, the the striker and the the player that looks like he's going to be the number nine for Brazil one day, battling uh, with Endricky for the spot. But um, he looks uh, in, in great form right now.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think one of the other players on the opposite team, of course, uh, having such a good performance was Casio uh, protecting Corinthians despite conceding that goal. In the 49th minute of ha- our first half, uh, he denied Canobio with a crazy shot and he had a jump save that, made me realize how good Casio actually is. And the preceding corner was headed in by Vitor Roque once again, but then it it got disallowed as it never fully crossed the line. And it was one of those uh, ghost goals, if I can say that. Maybe 10 years ago, they would have been called, but now with VAR, uh, they're no longer the case. Corinthians in the second half uh, played much better and I think they didn't do enough to equalize in this match, depending on how they created those
0: chances. chances. Yeah. And just going back to the Vitor Roque goal or um, almost goal, um, I mean, really impressive header again. And he show, he's showing us he can score anyway. You know, he's got uh, a pretty muscular build. He's so skilled. He's so intelligent in getting into the right areas. He can score poaching goals. He can score headers. He can score with both feet. He's just a complete complete striker um, and the only thing he's lacking really is is just that that towering height um and unfortunately I don't think that I see that coming for him uh, but uh, he's got uh, some some really great uh, form right now and and he can just score them anyway any way you want. Um, and that's evidenced by the two header goals one counts and one uh, obviously doesn't so I guess it's not a goal, but almost goal.
1: Yeah, and I think the height doesn't really matter in Brazil, as we're going to talk about uh, in the Flamengo match oh, later. Uh, I Good think God. as long as he's playing here, he can score goals, even if he's like half the size of the opponent. But maybe when he goes to Barcelona, he'll need to do a great, uh, a better job there. Uh, then in the second half, as I was saying, uh, Christian in the 87th minute uh, for Atletico-Pranance not Mac jill and then throws an insane shot towards Garcia, who saves it. And if that would have gone in, I think that would have been the goal of the week because uh, it was so dramatic and nice to see. Uh, In the 96, Atletico Paranense hit the post once again, so yet another chance for them to score maybe a second goal, but uh, they did not. But still, uh, they will be more than happy to take the three points home, especially playing a team like Corinthians, which maybe before the game, they would have thought that this would have been a way harder match uh, looking at how they beat Santos 2-0 in the first half, but Again, Corinthians such an inconsistent team. I'm not sure if it's, if it's a coach's problem because uh, the same thing that the previous coach did is happening now with Luxemburgo, But it's probably a player issue. And the players, when they're not a unite, they drop performances like these, which are inconsistent and don't help the team in the table.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you could see it in this match. I mean, again, I've said it before, and even though I'm kind of changing my mind, I think their roster is definitely better than their their table position. They're languishing down in 15th. Uh, really just buoyed up by the, the recent three points versus Santos. Um, really dire, dire showing from them in the of the row this year. Um, and if you look at the stats, I mean they had more of the ball, but Athletico just punching on the counterattack, um, double basically all the offensive stats um, and the expected goals are looking horrific uh, for Corinthians, um, especially when you compare them to Athetico, uh, who are firmly in control offensively. Um, it did make me think, you know, I'm wondering if they'll have issues with scoring once Victor Roque leaves. They were in, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, attacking moves, counterattacks, Uh, But they needed their young starlet to to finish off at least one. I'm wondering if they they go out and get someone with a little more polish and finish uh, on his game. Um, On the the flip side, looking ahead for Corinthians, uh, man, I don't know, I don't know where they go from here. Um, uh, Even worse news for Corinthians fans: a young bright star that they had um, come through the academy and was looking like a future. uh, big player for them. Pedro, uh, has been sold. It's been in the news for weeks now, but confirms now 9 million euros for about 50% uh, of his economic value. Uh, Corinthians still hold 30%. Um, but, uh, he is off to Russia. Zenit St. Petersburg kind of feel bad for the guy. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, and it's interesting. I want to note here that the, there's a relationship between these two clubs as well. You've seen a lot of players go back and forth. Yuri Alberto, one of them. Um, so uh, interesting there. And and their president uh, Julio confirming it's uh, the sale went through to uh, to pay the bills, as he put it.
1: Yeah, and I think Robert Renan uh, as well. He yeah. played in Corinthians and he made the move to Zenit, which I don't really agree. He's such a young player and going to a league that's probably not the priority now nowadays after whatever's happening uh at the moment uh i think even before the russian league was not it uh hulk played there mm-hmm. i was not a fan of him joining them uh who else Claudinho from rebel braganchino uh, went to Zenit so many brazilians moving there probably like the, what uh Shakhtar donetsk used to do uh years ago with brazilians all over the place but again um uh, If they're they're not performing well when it comes to Europa League champions and Conference League, then I don't know why those players make the move. And it's actually a cold place as well for a Brazilian to go there. I think that they wouldn't adapt well in the team and the climate changes. So it is what it is. He went there and hopefully
0: he has the best career. Who, Who knows? Yeah, you brought up Claudinho. We'll get to him a little bit later because he's also been in the news. But let's uh, let's move it on over to Fluminense and Bahia. Fluminense started off really bad for them. They, uh, they conceded, and then they got a red. Uh, Nino uh, gets a red card in the 37th minute. Uh, somehow they turned it around in the second half. Lele and Gabriel Pirani um, uh, bail Fluminense out in the course of three minutes. Uh, Fernando Denise uh, getting some booze. Um, actually, not at this game. He's suspended, uh, but he got them uh, later, um, and uh, fans were not happy with, uh, with the way the team's been been performing. But it's good to see Lele with the goal. Volta Redonda striker that came over after the Carioca and Piranha, a piece that they picked up from Santos um, that contributes here and um, secures them the three points. Um, despite a kind of a poor start to the game.
1: Yeah, and I was very surprised watching this match. I was watching live, and I see Bahia scored first, and I was thinking, what is going on with Fluminense? I did not expect them to even concede. I expected them to win 2-0, 3-0 in the first half alone, Then Nino gets a red card, and I thought maybe it was game over, but in the second half, as you said, uh, Fluminense definitely woke up two goals in a short period of time, and... That was it. Uh, three points secured and every team, as long as they're getting the points, uh, it doesn't matter if you concede first, get a red card, get a yellow. None of that matters.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show you also how brave Bahia have been. Uh, you know, they they might be feeling themselves after that win against Palmares. Um, unfortunately, they can't translate it into a, a win against one of the other big teams. Um, but we'll move on from them to another uh, kind of... You could say shocking, but, you know, when you look at the table, these teams are more parallel than, you, than you'd think. Fortaleza, the home win against Atarco Monero, um, 2-1 is the final score. And I've said it before, but big fan of the manager of Oivoda, Fortaleza. Fortaleza. Um, they're up to eighth place now. They won their Sudamericana group. Um, and they also added Mourinho. Um, to uh, to their roster as well. So they're putting themselves in a really good position to push up that table, maybe challenge for Libertadores to Americana spots, um, and maybe even go for a run uh, on the continent. So um, great to see from them. Atarico Manero, a little more confusing. Uh, they're underperforming their roster, so inconsistent. Uh, but, you know, on their day, they're fantastic. So uh, don't keep your eye or don't move your eye from them. Um, I think they can uh, they can knock off just about anyone in the continental competitions. And maybe even uh, if it comes down to the wire in Brazil, if a team is facing them uh, and challenging for the title, they might uh, be able to pull off a a victory and deny a a team of a, a, a trophy.
1: Yeah, Atletico Mineiro, I think, has been getting so many great results recently that this had to be the match when they drop points. And Fortaleza, as we always mention, is a team that whenever they're playing home, they're so good, they're so confident in what they're doing. And to score two goals against Galos is pretty incredible. Actually, the last time they lost a match in their home stadium uh, goes back to March 29th in the Copa uh, di Nordeste, I believe, final against Serra. Yeah which they didn't even need to lose because they had, oh, they actually won the next match, I believe. Uh, but either way, it just tells you how good Fortaleza is. And uh, they got such a great fan base in the stadium that probably helps them a lot. And Atletico Mineiro getting one back with Alan Kardec, maybe they could have even uh, equalized, but the red card for Saravia in the 89th probably killed their hopes. So uh, Fortaleza gets the three points and they're in a very good run uh, in this competition.
0: Yeah, great shout there. Um, the Castelao where they play the stadium there, they share it with Sierra, but man, that is a hostile environment. We've said it a bunch of times before. I don't need to say it again, but um, yeah, just a great home record there and an absolute fortress. Um, and no pun intended. <laughs> um, sorry for the dad joke. All right. Cruzeiro and Sao Paulo, Um, this one looked, I didn't watch this one, but it looked like it was pretty dire viewing. Just the one goal in it for Cruzeiro, the home team. It's an own goal, they had no shots on target. Sao Paulo, uh, kind of falling back to earth. Um, they were in fourth not too long ago, and now they find themselves down in 11th after this result uh kind of unfortunate from them i thought they're better than this i thought they were surging and maybe this was opening a new chapter in sao paulo's uh history here where they could you know be a top team in brazil again but uh with the the clumping of the table uh, they're right back in it and ronaldo's cruzeiro get the get the win and the three points
1: yeah, and you gotta feel bad for Rafinha actually scoring that own goal very early into the match, and he did not deserve that. Uh, he did not ma- mean to send the ball back in his net, and Cruzeiro on the other side gets the three points, get the win at home. A uh, one goal was all that was needed. But when you look at the stats, as you said, you would think that oh, Sao Paulo had the way better game than Cruzeiro. They had more shots and more chances. I think they had like sixty 69- nine percentage of ball possession but uh watching this game live I did not see any difference in gameplay I thought that Cruzeiro played much better Sao Paulo wasn't really heading into attack and to score that it seemed like though that was not their uh their goal and when that's not your goal then you end up not scoring and you lose games like these which uh for Duryval Junior's side I think it's unfortunate but either way uh they got to improve, uh, the the chances that they're taking and secure the points, especially when they're playing against teams like these, which, uh, the three points should be an easy run.
0: Yeah. And I'm just looking at the stats here. It's funny you say that because the XG says the same thing, the expected goals, they both have 0.88, uh, which is horrible, (laughs) but, uh, it just goes to show you that as far as threatening opportunities and, and, and chances, uh, you know, more or less even, and and you could see where they they kind of even out as you watch it, and 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 put them to the eye test. Um, so Cruzeiro and Sao Paulo, eleven and twelve respectively. Um, uh, excuse me, the other way around. Sao Paulo eleven, uh, Cruzeiro twelve, uh, and just a point between them. Um, so mid table teams, uh, you would you would think going forward, um, Cruzeiro, you could see them dropping as well. Uh, But Enric, let's move on to the biggest game of the match week, the headlining fixture, and possibly the most important game played in the rest of the row thus far. We had the defending champs and the number two club facing off against the upstart Botafogo. That's Palmeiras versus Botafogo in Palmeiras' stadium, the Allianz Parque, and Botafogo come away with the win it was huge uh palmeiras needed to bounce back from the bahia loss um and botafogo looking to extend their lead at the top um uh, one thing i did kind of pop into my mind i'm wondering you know uh rafael vega and rony obviously were in portugal with the national team uh when they played senegal in, in lisbon and uh wondering if they're a little tired because you know rony was lively in the beginning but rafael vega will talk about his conclusion of the game but not a great game from him uh but i mean everything was teed up for just an incredible match
1: yeah this was a must win match and if anyone did not see this live they made a big mistake although there were not too many goals scored uh palmeiras actually started the game with uh, numerous chances towards goal and dominating in ball possession i think they did pretty good in that first half and Maybe they could have gotten uh, the first goal if they maybe converted those chances.
0: Yeah. And and honestly, just looking at them, it seemed you could almost tell the difference in quality in in favor of Palmeiras. Their touches were more crisp. Their passes were more crisp. Um, You know, they seemed faster. They just seemed like, you know, they were just a better team. The players were better quality players. And even Rony got a good look early, um, but uh, you know it ended up going wide and it was offside anyways. But it just takes just that one little moment for Botafogo and they capitalized on it.
1: Yeah, in the 28th minute, Chiquinho, uh, he dribbled past the uh, home side defenders and throw, throws a shot with his left foot and Weverton couldn't reach it. Low in the ground, he couldn't do anything about it. And there you go, 1-0 Botafogo.
0: Yeah, perfect finish, but... I mean, you could kind of see this coming. Well, you couldn't see it coming, but uh, if you were told that Botafogo were going to score, you could see it coming from a set piece. Uh, you know, the free kick pings around, hits a few Palmares players, falls to Chiquinho, just absolutely sells the defender on a crazy fake shot on his right, puts it back on his left, and just a perfect finish. And like you said, Weverton, he just couldn't get there. And... Pretty crazy, one chance, one goal, and that's all you need. That's all Chiquinho and Suarez needs. Uh, He'll put it away every time.
1: Yeah, I thought as well uh, Botafogo had low chances of scoring, and I thought if they would score, maybe that would come after Palmeiras are already leading two goals or three goals up. But that was not the case. a surprising goal and a surprising chance even in that first half because uh, Botafogo was nowhere near where they needed to be if they needed to win the game. And two minutes later after that goal uh, got scored, uh, Palmeiras increased their pressure even more with uh, Lucas Perry who had to throw himself into the ground twice to prevent the ball from going in. So, so many chances wasted and maybe not wasted, but for a Palmeiras team that usually we used to see them score and score and score and to see them now unable to do that uh, against re- league leaders still it was uh impossible to think about.
0: Yeah, and that that chance you just referenced Lucas Perry right after the goal um he made me pretty nervous. And uh, I think he was he had he was on the edge there. Uh, he spilled the rebound there, which was, should, should have been a simple save and cover up. But uh, luckily, they uh, they had no harm. Um, and uh and, and Botafogo lives on uh, one one nil up.
1: Yeah, and uh, no Rony goal. Uh, he did not score in this match. So who is it there to always come back and help Palmeiras? Always the defenders. Gustavo oh. Gomez uh, actually wearing the number one. 56 maybe for the number of appearances for the club. He scores a header. And luckily for the he was called offside barely uh off and an unfortunate chance that maybe Palmeiras could have equalized in that first half.
0: Yeah, and actually 156, I believe it's the number for um, I don't know if it's the emergency number, but some sort of service number in uh Palm uh, in Sao Paulo. And the club had partnered with um, this organization as government service uh, to spread awareness. I think it's, you know, obviously it's winter down there. Um, I believe it's getting colder and especially at night, it can get pretty cold. So um, I think you saw the on the low number uh, shirts, they had a little um, cold thermometer and 156 is the number you dial there. So uh, I don't have all the details, but they talked about it on comms. Um, and I did a little bit of googling aka one search so I believe that's the story behind it um, but yeah Gustavo Gomez dangerous as always
1: and another thing as you mentioned the jersey I noticed that when the game started uh, Palmeiras usually has the word "Crefisa" on the middle and then "Fam" on the bottom but this time it was flipped so I'm not mm. sure why that was it but it was odd to see and cool as well because it's something that we don't see often in in soccer Uh, in the 59th minute Botafogo counterattacked It was a great counter Uh, Eduardo passed to Vitor Sa who found himself 1v1 with a Weverton and the shot goes wide and if that chance would have gone in Peter, I don't know Uh, that would have been game over and no matter how much Palmeiras would have tried after, they wouldn't find any goal and maybe if they did find one that would have been it because having a 2 0 lead away would have been incredible for the away side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I cannot believe he missed. I thought it was for sure a goal. I didn't scream, but I definitely made some sort of noise. Uh, and after that, you know, I just, I I was pretty positive that Palmares would go and score. Uh, Botafogo, though. Uh, hitting on the counterattack. attack um, A player I was really impressed with, Matias Segovia, didn't know too much about him, uh, Paraguayan kid, uh, but connected with Luis Henrique on a, another uh, counter-attack. Insane pass from Segovia. Uh, but uh, Henrique scored, or excuse me, not scored, uh, stopped by Weberton. Um, So it, uh, really uh, Botafogo looking super menacing on the counterattack, But you just knew Palmeiras they would have at least one more chance one more opportunity and and likely more than one but man they got a great opportunity and they squandered it
1: yeah in the 80th minute flaco lopez uh was pushed in the box uh, penalty awarded for palmeiras and i thought that was it uh the second goal and the tying goal would come and rafael vega takes the penalty and unfortunate for him and very luckily for us as santos supporters and the botafogo as well uh he missed it and what a chance that was and if he had scored maybe i would say that palmeiras would have even gone on and scored the winning goal in that match but he did not and fortunately for uh botafogo they did not convert that in
0: Yeah, and I can't even imagine what our buddy Pete was was uh, was feeling and and doing at that moment, where you know you just you think it's for sure goal, and now all your expectations for the rest of the season, and okay, this is you know much more anxiety inducing uh, you know run here, Um, but no, he misses the penalty, and honestly, you know the the pen, I think it probably should have been a pen, uh, but flaco lopez man he really sold it uh it wasn't as rough as he sh- was showing um I, I, and, and after that i think Palmeiras were just so deflated um and botafogo close out the match one nil victory huge victory they go seven points clear um and just wow um just one last note on the game uh impressed by two players really that stood out and they kind of have a funny little connection here. Richard Rios, who I've talked about before, great during the Paulista. Um, And I've already talked about Matias Segovia, um, uh, both young, looking very composed and skilled uh, in such a crucial match. But you know, uh, I was looking at Segovia and I, I saw he actually came from Guarani, the Paraguayan Guarani. Well, of course, Richard Rios came from Guarani from Sao Paulo. So kind of an interesting connection there. Uh, two two players, both from clubs called Guarani, that really impressed me uh, in this match and, and looking skilled and wise beyond their years. Uh, but not all good news for Botafogo. Enric, we got to park some time for this. Luis Castro has confirmed just hours ago, it's been in the cards, but he is leaving. He's headed to Saudi Arabia. He's packing his bags. And uh, he's making room in his safe because he's going to need the room. He's got a lot of money coming his way. I think six million US a year, uh, plus a mansion paid for, and that uh, I think is his, uh, provided that he uh, stays the course of his contract. Uh, so just crazy. I think the mansion's valued at almost three million, three million USD, um, and of course the chance to ch- coach uh al Nasser, uh so the club of cristiano ronaldo i think hakim zayish is also going over there um tons of players pouring into the the golf uh region uh but yeah luis castro leaving botafogo fans understandably upset he leaves botafogo in one of their best starts to the rest of the row in recent memory if not ever seven points clear uh i just want your thoughts on this and uh, where botafogo can go from here because uh, this is just a crushing blow after such an elating win over Palmeiras.
1: Yeah, I don't like his decision. Uh, although there's a lot of money involved to take a team to the first spot, seven points clear of the second, and to leave them right in the middle of like the most important time of the season, as the Campeonato Brasileiro is probably quarter done and maybe halfway in like four or five weeks, uh, Copa Sudamericana is also done for the group stage and then heading into the knockouts. He's leaving a team, such a great team behind. And if if the team was probably positioned third or fourth in the league right now, I would agree with his decision. Okay, he wants to move on. More money, of course. Things are not going right with Botafogo. But to do that when you're this close to winning the competition is really an odd decision. And I don't care who calls me, if it's Ronaldo because uh, Ronaldo called the as well to go to Juventus, and we all know how that went for him. <laughs> and as you said, Hakim Ziyech might be joining in, but uh, I think he had his uh, medicals today for Al Nasser, and he failed them, so he won't be joining. I don't know what's wrong with him, but something definitely wasn't, and he won't be playing alongside Luis Castro there. So, again... Um, very bad news for Botafogo fans. And I think, I hope that they find an even better manager that performs even better than Luis Castro. And I don't want to wish Luis Castro bad luck because I'm not that type of person, but maybe things won't go right in the Saudi Arabian team and he'll he'll get a move there. And what will he do after? He wants to come back to Botafogo. So wait for that to happen.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And at this point, it's a great shot. Char- I saw today Pete, uh, our boy, Glorious Botafogo, um, on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, He's got a video coming out about the whole situation. There's a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of uh, thinking and hemming and hawing and false starts from from Luis Castro, it sounds like. So uh, go check his page out um, uh, on YouTube and and on Twitter and get the full story. He said he's got a video dropping um, uh, July 1st, I believe uh um so go check that out for the full story uh but yeah hakim ziyash i didn't know that uh maybe just too much uh pita hummus and harissa i believe harissa the harissa sauce uh is a big moroccan thing so um <laughs> uh, it's a big moroccan thing so uh, maybe he's just uh packing on a few pounds in the off season um i agree though I don't want to see managers leaving Brazil, especially uh, managers that have had so much success, and another Portuguese manager um, that's uh, that's doing really well as trend in Brazil. So, uh, so we're cracking up over here. But uh... <laughs> dude, I hid the camera to help you. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably thinking that I'm laughing. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, Another Portuguese manager uh, heading across and we saw, you know, it doesn't always work out. So I understand it. It's, it's one of those things where it's, it's one of the, they make you an offer you simply just can't refuse. Um, And uh, it's, it's a sad thing to see. Jadero Senni and they're running for a new manager, Um, Botafogo, there's a list of candidates uh, and we'll see which direction they go, but uh, let's move on from that kind of sour news Uh, Gremia and Korachiba, and guys, I just want to take a moment here. I made um, a stupid uh, title to our last episode, and I tweeted a stupid tweet uh, from the Smokey Steak Podcast account uh, that Suarez is fine. Listen, um, Suarez is not fine, obviously in a lot of knee pain. Uh, I was watching the Botafogo match, uh, not this match, they are on the same time um his knee is not okay (laughs) despite my stupid comments uh though you wouldn't know that from looking at the uh the score sheet another goal and assist Luis Suarez is just on fire he's doing it all even on one knee this guy's incredible uh but I I just want to say hey my my bad here uh Suarez in a lot of pain and and yeah despite his productivity he this uh this story might be coming to an end but hey not over yet Suarez so I was determined to, to, to go on, uh, they destroy Korachiba 5-1, um, Korachiba still winless. So, uh, pretty, pretty, um, shitty showing from them so far in the rest of
1: Yeah. And, uh, I think this was a very good result for Gremio. Uh, they got the job done at home, scored a lot of goals, even though they conceded one, of course, Aleph Manga had to be there and. And Luis Suarez, as you said, uh, he got injured and very unfortunate for him. He had a great run last week. I think he scored. Now he did that again uh, for Grêmio. But I think in the 85th or maybe 10 minutes before uh, the game was over, he was crying in pain. And hopefully he'll come back uh, very soon because we would love to see him keep playing and scoring in,
0: in Brazil. Yeah. and. It... <sighs> Yeah, just makes me feel more stupid, and and uh, I just I just want to see him better. Um, but we'll see. All right, on to another uh, pretty much equally as somber topic, although uh, much better performance. We've got Santos and Flamengo. Uh, Santos dropped this one at home in the empty Vila Belmiro, uh, two to three. Um, Flamengo uh, do get the win, uh, but just two notes before we dump into the game. Not big. Huge shout out to Mauricio Destri and Anthony Wells on comms, uh, during the game, doing a great job. And, uh, not only that, they shout me out during the game, uh, and Owen, um, and, uh, they shouted you out, out, uh, Enric as well. And the whole podcast here. So again, Anthony Wells and Mauricio, great job guys. Uh, love listening to you guys. And, uh, I, I bit my tongue, uh, in the Mauricio Destri interview, but, uh, Anthony, if you're, if you're listening, um, one we'd love to have you on the pod and also i need your workout routine bro uh always posting the 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 gym selfies uh at uh at like 6am guys insane but uh flamengo looking good in the all red a lot of people said they looked like uh atletico paranaense as well uh which i didn't think is a bad thing but i thought i like this kind of the kit uh the shirt shorts combo uh but uh that's about um, where I'll leave it, and Enric, you can start. Uh, because Santos, uh, conceded uh, in the first twenty-five minutes. Well,
1: first, I would like to say thank you to Mauricio and Anthony Wells. Uh, they've been showing us great love and great support, so we're really uh, appreciating everything that they're doing and whatever they're saying for our podcast. We're really honored that they even listen to it. So, very great news and. Again, going into this match, Santos-Flamengo, uh, so many goals scored here, and I thought that maybe we could get a draw, and maybe a win wouldn't be possible, but uh, Santos, I think, performed much better compared to what we have seen before. It was their first match without fans, and surely the first match without Odair Hellman in charge. So it seemed like the team played much freely, Compared to other matches, we scored goals, especially against a tough opponent, so I'm not sure if it was Odair's tactics to keep defending and defending and defending, and as we've always seen, uh, attack right before the first half and right before the full-time, so uh, at least now we got to see the Alvinegro team attack throughout the whole match whenever they had chances, and in the 22nd minute, Joaquim and Gabriel Inocencio, they made a mistake, both jump for the ball, and it somehow ended up to Everton Cebolinha, who scores. Uh, Joao Paulo seems like he's always the guy who helps the team out, but in this, ta- in this chance, he had nothing that he could have prevented the goal from going in way too far from his hands, and Flamengo take the lead. And throughout the game, uh, I think that even when we had chances of scoring still. Maybe even if we scored two goals in a row, we would never be able to get a win against Flamengo.
0: Yeah, and uh, this goes to kind of two things here um, before I get to the, that first goal that you mentioned, Sabellina scoring. Uh, but uh, we've said it tons of times before. Uh, Santos have an ability to play up to the occasion. And when they face better teams, they play better. Um and but also at the same time, I had a feeling that all game, I think this was noted on Twitter, commentary and 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 just from the eye test, I think you could see it that you know Flamengo had a lot more in the tank. And not to say that they were toying with Santos, but they were always in control. Um and uh and and even despite uh you know some emotional swings during the game when Santos would pop up with a goal, um, and I would think, oh man, maybe we steal a draw, maybe we steal a win. Um I think in reality, looking back, Flamengo was firmly in control here. But on that first goal, got to tr- uh, credit. I, I want to shout out Gerson. He um, just before the goal or uh, the, the shot that led to the chance and the goal um, used really good strength and and, um, and perseverance to to grab the ball um, and, and distribute to um, and ultimately take the shot that Cebolinha would would gather the rebound and score. Uh, but he's been such a powerhouse in their midfield one of their best players and um, they really missed him when he went to Marseille and I'm glad he's back in the rest of the route because he's a fantastic player um, and um, he's just really working well on the Flamengo side
1: yeah and do you know who he reminds me of Peter uh, the player that plays for Lens in France um, what's his name He's actually linked to a move to Saudi Arabia as well. Wesley Fofana or oh, maybe yes. not Wesley There's another name probably, but the last name is for sure Fofana. It seemed like he's that powerhouse moving from uh, midfield to attack to defense all over the pitch. And Jerson, uh, again, he keeps crossing balls wherever uh, it's best fit for the teammates that he has. And, in the 40th minute, Santos had a counter attack. Uh, there was a beautiful pass to from Marcos Leonardo to Soteldo. He passed it to Mendoza, and somehow we scored 1-1. And very happy to see that goal
0: be scored in in the in our home stadium. Yeah, and and you said you know all these players, Marcos Leonardo, Soteldo, Mendoza, those, all of that happened because of Lucas Lima. He's been. We'll get to the, his role in the second goal as well, but he was the one who applied the pressure that ultimately caused the turnover uh that set all those things in motion uh so taldo again had the choice had the chance to shoot uh but uh, slid a divine pass to steven mendoza and uh he gets a great goal uh santos tie it up i was feeling good at that point i was like yes they're countering uh that was awesome um, they hung in after the Flamengo goal. I thought it might be curtains. I, might, I thought I was like, a, you know, going to be a five nil, uh, after that said goal, but they hung in, they got a goal before halftime and I was actually feeling pretty good. And, uh, so that's a surprise. I'm not used to that feeling while watching Santos.
1: Yeah, it was a surprise because we equalized and I think even when we played Corinthians in the Campeonato Paulista we equalized right before halftime and we went in and tied the match overall so that was a great performance in here going back to that uh, Vitor Roque's height of scoring goals with headers uh now the reason why I brought that up was uh, Everton Ribeiro he's such a short player and for Flamengo to score a header against our tall defenders was it seemed impossible, but maybe not for him. He got a, a, a advantage for Flamengo once again, 2 0 up, and what a chance to sending the Mangals forward again in the 52nd minute. Uh, Messias, uh header was saved by Mateus Cunha, a rebound fall to Rodrigo Fernandez, who tied 2 2. Again, another. Result that I was very happy. I did not expect Santos to even score one goal and let alone two, despite the result at the end.
0: Yeah, and again, it's Lucas Lima who starts the sequence. He had a f- really deep free kick uh that led to the header that uh where um uh Rodrigo Fernandez uh ultimately got grabbed the rebound and, and cashed in. And from here, I mean. <clears throat> Uh, it was quick, but, you know, again, I was thinking, hey, man, if we ju- we can just get a defensive stop here, we might be able to hit them on the counter. Uh, two goals against a side like Flamengo. Uh, they don't have the best defense in the league, but they've got some great players. Uh, but it just wasn't to be.
1: Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Um, we tied 2-2, and then right after, Herson uh, assisted to Eric Pulgar, who gave Flamengo the lead for the third time. And I think... Hurston's assisted two if not maybe even three now it couldn't be three because the first goal was a mistake by our defenders but what a game that Herson uh, had I think he was the best player in the Flamengo match very happy to not see Gabriel Barbosa in the score sheet uh, originally I said that if he would have scored uh, I would have not tweeted for a whole week but I'm very happy he didn't and if i would have seen another menino davilo score in our home stadium that would have pissed me off and maybe one reason why he didn't score was because there was no fans in the stadium so that played good for us and of course we got to score two goals and i'm not disappointed with the team uh bad result but uh still whenever they're able to score goals i'm more than happy i would rather see 5-4 5-4 or 7-6 loss compared to a 1-0 loss, uh, let's say against Coritiba or even a draw. So at the end of the day, um, I'm not too pissed off about this result.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I know what you mean. But I, two things that, I again, I, I do believe that Flamengo were just, you know, I think we were more annoying to Flamengo than, than a, a real threat. Although Marcus Leonardo had a late chance that hit the side netting he got a little bit of criticism. Um, uh, uh, Mendoza was open on the side, far side. It would have been hard to get it to him, but I mean, you never want your striker uh, to be second guessing and have a pass first mentality. You always want to make him at the box. I don't have a or at the net. I don't. I don't have any problem with that. Um, and it was a good effort and and great run to to get into space. So um yeah i just i just i don't like the mentality of santos they 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 you know they only are showing up to to bigger games and sometimes they get embarrassed at big games but um you know they they just they don't seem to have that winning mentality um but uh great game from lucas lima really impressed with him and and yeah jerson on the other side great game two assists. uh he's played a pivotal role though not getting the assist in the first goal um, and I am looking at uh, sofa score here. Uh, he does have the highest rating, 8.2 uh, of uh, Flamengo and of course uh, the match. So uh, great game from him. Um, a couple notes here on both of these teams. Uh, we talked about Alon, um joining Flamengo again, not official. Uh, they're ironing out the details, but um, I think he's uh, pretty much confirmed, but we teased this earlier in the episode. Claudinho uh, stuck at Zenit after a crazy, um, Crazy good sequence at Red Bull Bragoncino. Looks like he might return to Brazil um, and to Flamengo, which would be very scary. Um, and, uh, you know, whether they move out Matheus França, uh, there's been talks of Pedro as well. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, but what's seemingly very concrete is the Santos side of the uh, this conversation here. Um, Enric, I want to get your thoughts on Angelo. The big news Fabrizio Robra- uh, Romano tweeting about it, Casa Grande tweeting about it. Uh, it looks like the deal is all but done and, um, all but official. Looks like Angelo joining Chelsea uh, for around 50 million euros. Um, you know, is he gonna go to another club owned by Clearwater, uh, like Strasbourg? I don't know if they still have the the relationship with the the Belgian club, um, but uh, or the maybe it was, no, it was the Dutch club, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, good signing. Well, what are your what are your thoughts here? Good deal. Uh, just just talk to me about Angelo and Chelsea. Well, first of all, I'll talk
1: about Chelsea. I don't know what they're doing in this transfer market, but it seems like they're selling all their big stars like Mason Mount and uh Havertz as well as going to Arsenal so uh, they're doing something really crazy and I think that if they continue to sell these players then they're going to give the youngsters more opportunities in which I see Angelo being a part of the team in much often in the future but uh I don't know what to say at Santos he was never that type of player that I thought oh he's definitely a starter and I want him to be here like as we think about uh, Marcos Leonardo mm-hmm. I think Angelo played maybe one game out of five and maybe got substituted many times so really not that bad. Feel I'm not feeling too bad that he's leaving but uh, we have so many other youngsters like Davy G and we, maybe we can have the chance to use those and looking at the wings we have Mendoza on the right, Soteldo on the left. So it's looking pretty good so far. And hopefully uh if we manage to get a player to replace Angelo, it's probably a 25, 26 year old that's my favor. But again, uh Angelo, I wish him all the best luck. Hopefully he plays many matches for Chelsea and he doesn't end up like that those players uh that have been loaned out to different clubs throughout Europe, I think not too long ago they had like 30 players loaned outside of England or even in England. So I'm not very optimistic about his chances of starting in the team, but hopefully he does. And hopefully uh, he turns out to be like Rodrigo or Neymar in uh, Barcelona or Real Madrid.
0: Yeah. I think he's a lot more raw than those players are. Um, But yeah, I mean um, I kind of agree. I, I worry about depth. Of course we have Daniel Ruiz. Uh, the Colombian player, but um, I haven't seen enough of him to kind of have an opinion. Um, I, I know he's pretty raw himself, and I, I'm not sure that he has the skills. Angelo, for sure, one thing's for sure, you know, uh, he's an elite dribbler um, and he's really, really talented. So uh, he needs a little finish on his game, a little polish. Um, and uh, the word from talking to Chelsea fans, I, I think their feeling is there's a new regime in town. Um, Clearwater and and Todd Bowley or whatever his name is I think it's it's Bowley right um, uh, is uh, you know they're going to try to manage some of their loans a little better and and, and rumor is that he might end up at uh, Strasbourg in France um, on loan they're also owned by Clearwater so um, we'll, we'll see where that goes but you know it might not be the worst thing to get some reps in in, in Ligue 1 because uh, he's definitely not ready for the Prem in my opinion. Uh, but I think there is a good player there. Very, very raw. Like I said, but um, I mean, he's young and he, he can play under pressure and he's got a lot of talent. So um looking forward to seeing where his career takes him. And uh, if it doesn't work out in Europe, he's always got a spot here uh, in, in Santos. Um, one other note before we kind of round out the breast of the row. Um, Marcus Leonardo, another, another link here to Rome this time, not Roma. Uh, previously linked to Roma um, for around fifteen to twenty million. But now on the blue side of, of the city of Rome, Lazio uh, extending a fifteen million euro offer um, plus some add-ons. Um, some Santos retained some of his uh, his economic rights as well. So uh, Marcus Leonardo, uh, we talked about how he may be on his way out um, and just another another interested bidder there. Um, all right. Let's move it on. Red Bull Bragoncino beating Goyas. Um, Pedro Cashinha's men looking good. Uh, they're up to seventh. Uh, Eduardo Sasha scoring. former Santos, man. Really good signing uh, for them. Coming over from Atorco Manero. Um, Internacional, man. Just the other week, it seems like, or, and we said this last week too, they were in dire straits and now another win. Beating America uh, 2-1. They're in sixth place, um, and this is what I would uh, would call a yo-yo team for sure. Uh, up and down, up and down. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Um, and then finally, Vasco. They finally get a win in the Brasilia. Uh They did it pretty unconvincingly. A penalty kick in the 77th minute, uh, and it was just a 1-0 win over Uh, But... That win is going to feel very good for them, and that is so crucial uh, before they just slid into a complete death spiral.
1: Yeah, and then going back to those matches that you mentioned earlier, uh, I think in the Red Bull match, uh, Red Bull is doing great things this season. Of course, they have players that uh, are able to score goals. But once again, Eduardo Sa- Sasha in the score sheet, a player that when you th- see him score a goal, you think you're scratching your head and say, "Ah, oh, maybe at Santos, he should have played more, but he did not. And now he's scoring goals for the Red Bull team. And what a season this this club is having uh, so far. Um, America uh, seemed like they were leading 1-0 until... An hour passed in the match uh, with a goal scored by Juninho in the 19th. But international, uh, unbelievable. Uh, I think Mano Menezes, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was on the verge of getting sacked. But now he's probably one of the best coaches in the Brazil era, maybe even better than Geniz. So, uh, 30 minutes left or maybe not even 30, 20 minutes uh, Jean Diaz scores the equalizer for Inter Uh, playing away, let's not forget about that I think they played away from home last week against Koichiba when they won I believe 2-1 as well So or 1-0 actually a penalty scored by uh one of their players but then in the 85th Alemão gets the winning goal and what a result once again for international 6 points in the last 2 matches and Things have been going very good so far. And a team that has not been performing lately, as you said, Vasco da Gama finally get to win their second win in this competition. Their first win was in the opening match, if you remember that, against yeah. the Galos. Yeah. So it's been so long ago that uh, they still don't have a win at their home stadium. They actually played this game uh, in a different stadium. Uh, I don't know if you saw this live or any of the highlights, Peter, but. There were chairs all over. You could see them from the camera, like messed up, broken uh, in the seats where the fans would actually sit in. So crazy to think about. And uh, even crazier that it took 77 minutes for Vasco to get a goal against uh, a team that maybe you would consider uh, potentially dropping to the second division. Jair scores from a penalty kick and... Finally, that was it, and they celebrated that win as if they won the cup. Every player was waiting for that final whistle by the referee, and they got the job done. I'm very happy for them.
0: Yeah, and Barbieri's still in the hot seat for sure. I'm, but I'm, I'm happy, uh, though not a convincing win. Um, and yeah, both of these teams look like they might be uh finishing towards the bottom, and Vasco still in that relegation zone. Uh, they unofficially uh, have been uh, trying to sign a, a bunch of reinforcements to to prop up their team and, and hopefully stay up. Um, uh, we talked about it last week. Mekon, uh from um, or Mekon from uh, from Santos, uh, but Enric raising this one as well, a player uh, familiar name but not a familiar player, Serginho signs uh, from the Turkish club club um, uh, that uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Uh, but from the Super League, but uh, highlighted this, uh, a striker. Uh, they need the goals and backup for Pedro Haul. But uh, a guy that was originally from Vitoria, but spent a bunch of time actually playing in uh, in your um, nation of origin, Enric, in Albania uh, for two clubs uh, amongst other Balkan clubs. So uh, kind of an interesting tie there in with, uh, with um, one half of the Smoking Snake podcast
1: yeah very interesting there and even more interesting to see a player make a move from brazil playing as a youth player to kosovo which is a country right next to albania and then he moved to uh skanderbell which is the team that uh a couple of years ago in 2016 i believe uh played in the europa league and that could have been a season when he played with them there so now the team is in second division they have problems all over the place but uh he then moved to another team, uh, Lachi. And this team is actually 45 minutes from my home. So not too far away. I actually got to see their stadium. There's like a big church uh, in this uh, in the city. So when you go up there in the mountain, you can see the stadium from up there. So really cool. And uh, I think Lachi had uh, seasons when they could have potentially qualified for European tournaments. They were so close, but uh, they did not. So... At the end of the day, Sergino maybe a name that I haven't really heard about, but I wish him the best luck. And maybe at Vasco, he can uh, perform better than all the players that they currently have and win games, hopefully, and get them out of their relegation zone.
0: For sure, for sure. And they're looking to add more. And you can see why, as we take a look at the table, they are in 18th, just nine points, uh, two wins. They finally break that losing streak. But Eric, I'm just going to give you this, this table here and serve it up to you and just tell me your thoughts here. Obviously, Botafogo extending their lead at the top, seven points, but what's standing out to you when you look at this table?
1: Well, what's standing out to me, the fact that Botafogo stole the team with zero losses so far and 12 weeks have gone by and, or no, not zero losses, zero draws. So again, the team that, Seems like they're either winning or losing. Very incredible for the Fogaus. Gremio, out of nowhere, maybe a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting 8th, ninth, even 10th. And now they're second place, only seven points behind that Botafogo. We mentioned this a couple times so far, and you would think that the second team would be Palmeiras, but no, they're actually down in the fourth spot. And team in the third spot, Flamengo, equal with them with points. The only reason uh why Palmeiras is uh, actually fourth so fluminense another team which is surprisingly very close in that top four spot sitting in fifth Internacional, probably the team that it's mostly on fire at the moment um four wins one draw in the last five matches and mano menezes has been doing amazing job i think uh in those couple of performances that international has been playing in, whether it was home or away Santos sitting in 13th uh, uh, with 13 points. um, 12 weeks have gone by and we seem like we're getting like 1.1 point per match, which is very bad. Hopefully uh, things change soon. And we see the team uh, in that top 12 where they can qualify for, Uh, continental competitions Corinthians still in the 15th place Uh, seems like every week they go up and they go down they go up they go down down up up down so things are not changing much in their side and Vasco da Gama with their win they're now sitting in 18th uh, made a move from the 19th spot with nine points and now they're uh, three points away from out of relegation zone so hopefully next week um, they get that those three went the, these three points and uh, i would like to see vasco survive because in my opinion the teams that deserve to go down are curitiba uh Cuiaba, uh america and maybe another one you could probably give it a guess but either way uh hopefully vasco doesn't drop
0: yeah i agree i hope they don't drop but yeah it's it's really interesting gremio uh in second and and that's that'll be really great and like you said inter uh the the hottest form when when you when you take into account four and four wins and and a draw in the last five so they're really capitalizing on that um and um it's shaping up to be a really exciting and interesting uh and unique Brasil, uh which is why we love brazil um, all right, so let's look ahead to the upcoming Brasileirao match week thirteen. Um, some big matches um, and some teams that will be looking to uh, get some wins and, and and build some points. The table is so clumped together. We keep saying it, but it still is. Um, and just a few wins stringing to, together, um, uh, you can move quite far up the table, as as Inter has showed. Um, Enric, I'm going to let you go and just and tell me your thoughts on this. But I want to just say before you go off, I want to highlight Santos and Cuiabá. Uh, the week following that they'll play, I believe, Goyas as well. And I just want to be clear here. Two must win games. They have to win these games uh, for for all our sanities. Um, two teams that they should be beating. Paulo Tour is in. Um, and he'll have time to shape the team and work with the team. But these are teams that they need to be beating. Quiaba is away, but Santos needs to get something out of this or they could seriously risk a tragic dip into the lower depths of the table and maybe even the relegation zone. And you never know, Vasco could start surging. Uh, There are a few other teams down there. Corinthians are liable to move up the table as well. So they could find themselves in a really bad spot of trouble and it's even more imperative because the games after these two games are teams like flamengo sao paulo fluminense i don't know how many points we're gonna get versus those guys so two games the next two are gonna be crucial for santos i had to get it off my chest and take it away
1: i know how dumb this would sound but I think that playing against Cuiabá is not an easy task. Looking at how, I think last season, I believe we tied 0-0 away from home, which happens to be this game as well. And back then, Pirani was playing for Cuiabá. And now I think Cuiabá, they had such a great game against Vasco da Gama last week. And I would think they would do the same thing against Santos if we did not manage to beat the likes of... uh, korichiba a couple weeks ago i think on june 10th uh we're not going to be nowhere near close to beating Cuiabá because Cuiabá is actually good and unless the players are highly motivated and they want to perform well and get the results then yeah santos will win but looking at how things have been going it doesn't seem like that's the case and uh, it seems like the players also have no problems with uh without winning and I don't know if we talked about this uh Nathan and Lucas Pires I think they were caught uh in the club uh partying hours before they had their training at 9 a.m so at 4 a.m the fans actually found them and really unprofessional and I don't like uh the way I agree that every player needs to do whatever they want but in cases like these when the club is actually suffering and you got fans all over the place um, yelling at players for not performing well, then you shouldn't be irritating things even more.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually so glad you brought that up because that's a huge story. Um, Natan, obviously kind of on the fringes of the team right now, but a lot of talent there came over from Portugal and we bought him to, I believe, permanent transfer um, and a lot of talent, um, although it hasn't really worked out this season. He was good I think last season um, and in the Pauly style. Uh, If you could even say that, Um, but yeah, really, and and actually kind of a uh, funny layer, I guess, to this story is I believe they're actually leaving a party hosted by Rodrigo. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, just uh, unprofessional in the club now has said, Hey, these guys are not a part of the team We're we're selling these guys. We're getting rid of them. I don't know if they'll be able to sell them for any sort of money or if they're just going to agree to mutually um, terminate the contract not really uh, not really sure there. Uh, yeah, and but... going back
1: to the up uh, predicting matches or the upcoming matches that you talked about, uh, I think the game between Sao Paulo and Fluminense will be a big one because uh, it's a team from uh, Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro competing with each other. Um, Durival against uh, Geniz, it's going to be a great match. And other than that, we have Botafogo playing against Vasco. This should be a easy win i think for botafogo despite not having their used to be coach atletico Mineiro uh, against america the Mineiro derby uh, i think this was the final a couple months ago in the state cor- tournament which atletico won so mm-hmm. i would assume america would come into this match and they will score a couple of goals i will say uh atletico three america two Uh, Atletico Paranaense, Palmeiras, another big game, uh, reminds me of the Copa Libertadores clash last season, so Palmeiras, despite their loss against Botafogo, they're going to look towards winning this match despite playing away, and Atletico Paranaense on the other side, they've been getting so many great results, and hopefully they do the same thing here, Uh, another game, and probably the last one that I'll talk about for the upcoming week, are Bahia against Gremio, um. After this match, uh, these two teams and the, in the exact stadium will be playing in the Copa do Brasil. I think three days later. So this will be a cool clash for those teams to play in. And it reminds me of Bahia against Santos in the previous round. Same scenario: Bahia playing with us in the Serie A, and then a couple of days later in the cup. So we all know how that ended up. Hopefully, it doesn't end up like that for Grêmio and. Uh, I would like to see Grêmio advance even more, maybe into semifinals of that competition.
0: Yeah, for sure, and and just goes to show you how different the games can be from from just you know a few days um, in different competitions. Uh, but like you said, yeah, um, Bahia and Grêmio, São Paulo and Palmeiras, America versus Corinthians, Flamengo and Atlético Paranaense are the fixtures for the quarterfinals of the Copa do Brazil. That'll be coming up uh, midweek next week. Uh, but for now. That is going to be the end of the show. Um, Like I said at the top, um, tune in uh, early uh, this coming week for our Continental special, our group stage special. Uh, We'll cover all the action that happened this week um, uh, in the Libertadores and in Sudamericana. Plenty of action there. Teams dropping down to Sudamericana. uh, Crazy goals, crazy results. And um, we'll be back for that. So look for that episode um and other than that have a great night and a great weekend uh happy canada day to our uh, canadian friends across the river and happy uh fourth of july to any americans listening out there so uh thanks so much guys